Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are now listening to Believe in the ACC with my husband, Mr. Talking Noise, Lloyd Spence, and our brother, Heisman Trophy and Florida State legend, Charlie Ward. And now, Lloyd and Charlie. Go get them, fellas. All right, there we are. <laughs> Talking noise. <laughs> well, that's my that's my uh, moniker uh, for the company and for all the other shows. So I thought I'd break it out for our new software that we got. <laughs> all right, well, I, I think I'm, I might need to get me, get me a nickname. Listen, you don't need another nickname. Heisman Trophy winner is your nickname. <laughs> You are, Charlie, you know you're the GOAT, man. What you talking about, brother? No, oh, no. I need to get me a, a nickname, Talk Boxer. <laughs> got that name. Uh, well, listen, you know what? We'll put that out. We'll put that out to the noisemakers and everybody that's watching Believe in the ACC. Uh, shout out to everybody. If you can come up with a, nick, a new nickname for Charlie Ward, his broadcast nickname, we appreciate that. Hit us up in the comments uh, as we do this show. Uh, if you got a great nickname for Charlie Ward going forward, how about that? <laughs> well, how you doing, man? How was your weekend? Uh, it was good. The Seminoles didn't get a chance to play. I'm glad we uh, we were off this week. We had some um, illnesses going on, but yeah, uh, man. Good weekend. So again. I said that's unfortunate, man. With uh, Coach Norvell, man, that's um, that that was kind of a shocker, you know. Yes, uh, but he's doing well. He has no, you know, no very minimal symptoms, if any. That's good. Uh, so that's, that's awesome. Positive, and um, so it's been it's interesting to see how this week, you know, comes out. Yeah, we'll be we'll be we'll be sending our thoughts and prayers to him, man. We uh, hope that he uh, has a quick and speedy recovery, and hope that uh, that nothing spreads throughout the team. I think he went he went right into quarantine as soon as he found out, from what I understand. Is that correct? Uh yes. Yeah. And uh, he's been very you know meticulous when it when he's been coming to these plans and planning out this whole coronavirus um, you know protocols and trying to do all the necessary things within the program so that it doesn't, you know, be a widespread uh, thing. So hopefully, uh, you know, Coach Thompson can can get rally the troops, get ready for these hurricanes coming up this week. Yeah, man, that's, that's a big one that's going on. So we're definitely going to jump off into that here in just a second. I want to give a couple of shout-outs before we jump into our show. Uh, our show is, is actually kind of partnered with some people now. And uh, a couple of groups that were on Facebook, and one of the groups that uh, we uh, partnered with, which I'm excited about to get to know. Uh, I want to make sure I get the names right here. Uh, it is the let me pull it up here real quick. Make sure I got the right name. Uh, oh, it is the uh, Florida State Seminole Football Group. Uh, no gators allowed is what the group goes. By. <laughs> so and shout out to the them. Hey, huh? I said this is the ACC, so they can't get in. Yeah, that's right. No, no gators allowed. This is the ACC. So shout out to them. Uh, we appreciate joining that group, and and uh, the uh, the moderator was real cool. I think his name is Dan. Great dude, man. We had a good conversation last week. I told him that uh, we wanted to uh, be a part of what they were doing. And uh, Offer Our Show is one of their uh, things that they can watch and be up on ACC News, and he was all for it. So shout-out to the Florida State Seminole Football Group. No Gators allowed. Shout-out to the ACC Sports Group and the Sports Talk Group as well. Uh, we just we appreciate all the love that people are showing us, and uh, we hope that uh, we can build that relationship going forward with all those groups, man. It's really cool to uh, build the platform that way. So – uh, but Charlie, man, I'm ready to jump into some ACC talk. And you mentioned uh, the Miami Hurricanes, and you mentioned the Florida. I mean, uh, Louisville. We mentioned Louisville uh, this past this games of this past week. And uh, man, let me tell you, that game this past weekend 
kind of shocked me, bro. I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I I thought Louisville would um, would do okay, but I I didn't I didn't realize Miami's defense was that good. Miami's defense came to play this past weekend. Uh, well, yes, they um, of course they're going to have a chance every time they step onto the field because of the athletes that they have, and you know they're in a sound defense. They've been running the same defense for quite some time, and they've been very successful uh, with it. And you know they, I thought they played you know a very solid game against a very good uh, offense, and so I think that was the biggest. Um, difference in the game offensively uh, Miami we knew what they were capable of uh, with DJ uh, running in it running the show Uh, but defensively they showed uh, you know that they were you know stout uh, when it it comes to the run um, as well as you know defending the pass the pass rush was the key Um, I think that's the key in in any defense Uh, but their pass rush was the key um, I still think they have some holes or some things that they probably need to work on on the back end. Uh, but when you have a good pass rush, it definitely helps uh, the back end. You know, the thing I think I was the most impressed about uh, offensively for Miami is I, I guess I didn't realize the amount of weapons and the connectivity so early that uh, DJ, for those – is what his former coach calls him, <laughs> Charlie Ward. Uh, but De'Aaron King, I was when I did not know that they had such a connection so early. Like he really, uh, that run game was solid, man. Uh, Harris played an outstanding game. Think about his nine carries for 134 yards. That that's dominating right there. I mean, that is really dominating the ball. And then Jordan. Jordan played phenomenally well. Seven catches for 120 yards. They really, uh, they really locked into one another, and they prepared very, very well for that Louisville defense. Louisville's front seven, I thought, played okay, but their secondary was just not. Once, once the running runners and the receivers got past that first level, it was. I mean, they they just there was nobody back in the back level that secondary to really stop them. Yes, uh, but the good thing about what they, what DJ did was he spread the ball around. I mean, yeah, Jordan, the tight end, got a lot of catches. Yeah, and some yak yards, but he did a great job of spreading the, spreading the football around to where you couldn't uh, lock in on just one guy. Yeah, um, where you, he had some nice back shoulder throws. Um, I mean, it was a it was a gamut of things, you know, out routes, you know, crossing routes, uh, deep balls. I mean, he he hit it, he hit it all. Um, short throws behind the line of scrimmage. And uh, the one thing that he did show that he didn't show much of in the first game was just his, his how accurate um, he, he is and, and putting the ball on the money and putting it where guys can catch it. And so, uh, you know, that's something that I think, um, you know, a lot of people didn't give him credit for the first after the first game. But I think now they're starting to see him get back to the way he was and at the University of Houston. Do you do you think this was his coming out party? Because man, he put on a really a solid performance. Uh it was I I, I thought he just played uh a really amazing game. Um the numbers say that it was, you know, that he that he I mean there's still work obviously to be done, but it's just a really solid game for to be the second game of the year. And then looking at all the circumstances surrounding the game 18 for 30, 325, three touchdowns. That's a pretty solid game. Do you think this is kind of his coming out party and something, a platform that he can build on? I think it is. Um, I think it's something that uh, I know he's confident, and but I'm sure they've seen this, you know, coming. Uh, they've seen it in practice. Uh, but the thing that I liked the most about it was they had a lot of yak yards. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were some short throws. Uh, then there was just some blown coverages, you know, some good s- schematic things that they did uh, to clear out the backside uh, of a, you know, a couple passes, uh, and they hit them. And so, uh, well, one was for a run uh, where they cleared out the receiver to the uh, that was over there solo, and then they ran to that same side where it was cleared out uh, because I think Louis was playing man to man. And then the next time around, 
they ran the same uh, motion and they ended up hitting Knighton uh, for yeah. whatever the, the long touchdown uh, because he got lost in the backfield and he ended up on a, a, a wheel route, well, not really, or really a go route out of the backfield. So it did some good schematic things, um, you know, some RPOs uh, that he hit as well. And so it was, it was a great night for the Hurricanes offensively and just as a team, you know, just they were dominant. Yeah. Looking at the other side of the ball, um, it, it, it was obvious very early on that Louisville's defense, while they had a few moments early, nothing really consisted. Uh, and, and dare I say that the, the totality of the defense is just not ready for prime time yet. Uh, but what's interesting is that the offense looked really good, especially coming back in the second half. And 34 points is usually enough to win a game. I mean, that's that's a lot of points. And the performance from uh, uh, Mikael Cunningham and, and, and Tutu Atwell and the running back Hawkins, normally that's enough to win a game. My question to you is, can, are, are they out of contention or do you think they have time to maybe turn some things around from what you saw uh, Saturday night? Well, they have some time. I mean, all these teams have time uh, because you never know. An injury here, injury there can definitely turn a team that's on the top, you know, around. Uh, and so I think there is time uh, for Louisville to – to kind of get it together as far as an overall team. As you mentioned, offensively, they, I thought they played um, well enough, not well enough to win the game, but they played well enough to continue to improve uh, upon, you know, what they were able to establish on Saturday night. And yeah. so defensively, you know, they have to shore up some things uh, when it comes to, you know, being sound and finding, you know, finding the right coverages and being the right coverages. I thought Avery played a very, a very good game. The linebacker. Um, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was very good. They, yeah. I, I think the thing that was probably the most concerning as much as I, the defense has a lot of holes and that secondary probably needs to show up a few things. Uh, the offense left a lot of points on the field, yeah. uh, especially early on. They left a lot of points on the field, got in the red zone at least two or three times, couldn't convert. Uh, those into real substantial points. And I think when you're in a shootout like that, every time you get an opportunity, you got to convert. You got to, you got to, you know, maximize. And I, I don't think, you know, to your, to your point that you made about Miami, I thought Louisville did not use the tight end enough. I thought there were some opportunities for the tight end to catch the ball uh, in some maybe flat routes, maybe some screens or whatever, and, and maybe, you know, use that big strength or whatever to power in, in the end zone. Uh, in the red zone, so I, I I thought there was some some left left opportunities out there that they could probably sure up going forward. Uh, well, that's normally the case in these types of games. Um, I was sitting there watching. I think it was the Kansas City Chiefs and the um, Los Angeles. Uh, one of those Los Angeles teams. Rams. I think it was the Rams. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't the Rams. No, it wasn't the Rams. It was um, the Chargers. Chargers. Yeah, Chargers. Yeah. And how you know they. They didn't go for it on fourth and one, and they ended up putting it to, you know, uh, to the Chiefs, and they ended up driving it down the, you know, to the game-winning touchdown, right? A field goal, uh, and so I'm just, you know, sometimes when your offense, when the offense on the other side is rolling, you have to make sure you take advantage of those opportunities that you may get in the red zone, um, especially if your defense is struggling. Yeah. You're listening to Believe in the ACC, and uh, real quick, we want to just highlight a, um, something that's very important to us, and that is betonline.ag. The wait is over. That's right. The wait is over. And, guys, listen, football is back. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can certainly still be in on the action at BetOnline. Uh, I check out the site all the time and see all of the lines and the changes and all the good things. There's a lot of wonderful things going on at betonline.ag from the game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always, always the online casino as well because it never 
closing. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today, and you can go get it at BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right. Charlie, I, I want to pivot a little bit to um, Notre Dame, talk a little bit about the uh, fighting Irish who are now in the ACC just for one year, but you never know. They might get, they might enjoy it this year and be like, you know what? This feels right. <laughs> yeah, they probably, probably should join just so they can have a chance to be in the uh, college playoffs. Well, I tell you what, I think, I think while I, lo- I know they love some of the traditional games that they've played, listen, this is a good. This is as good a path to the college football championship as any. So I, I, I think they should definitely consider it, and and they're off to a really good start. Uh, man, a dominant, beyond dominant game this past uh, weekend against South Florida. Now to to uh, the point that we made on last Thursday. South Florida is not quite there yet. <laughs> so we understand that the opponent was not the greatest. But to that same point, Notre Dame did what you're supposed to do when on paper you look like the better team. You go out on and dominate, and that's exactly what they did. I agree. And, uh, you know, I've said it before that if you're better than the other team, then the score should dictate that. Um, and – and I think that's what we saw. Um, and it's hard to say they're not good uh, because they blew out a team they're supposed to blow, blow out. Uh, but that just shows that they are, you know, they, they're to that point where they're not taking people lightly. Uh, you look at Clemson, they're very similar. You know, everyone that they played that they're better than, they're blowing them out. Yeah. Um, the game's not even close. Yeah. Off to where it's supposed to be. Um, and so – I think, you know, Notre Dame is a formidable opponent. I know we talked about a little bit about, you know, who, who's rivaling in Clemson. Uh, but I think Notre Dame is is a team that, you know, probably have enough guys or athletes to be able to, um, you know, play with Clemson because they're offensively and defensively, uh, you know, sound. And not sure about those special teams, but – I know offense and defense, they're sound, and they have enough guys to be able to do it. Um, and so Notre Dame is, is is a team that you have to keep your eye on. Um, I'm just still a little bit concerned with Ian Book. I'm not sure how much he played, you know, in that game. Uh, but, it, you know, his numbers were, you know, completion was good, but the numbers weren't what you expected, 143 yards, which is yeah. uh, not, not very good. And we said the same thing about DJ, you know, last week. Right. His numbers weren't great. Um, but team one, uh, they were able to get the win over UAB. But this week, you know, he had a different game. Uh, yeah. So, you know, those are the things that you have to continue to look at. Um, you try to put together, you know, the small details each and every week to see what the teams, how they're going to match up with some of the, you know, big, bigger teams uh, that they're that's going to be later on their schedule. Um, and so you never know, but you just want to see progress, you know, from week to week. Charlie, let me ask you this question. Do coaches, when they know that there are bigger games coming down the line, do they tighten up the playbook so as not to expose more to the teams that they know are going to be a lot more difficult to play against? And is that maybe what we're seeing with Notre Dame? They're maybe holding Ian Book back a little bit, saying, let's not let's not open up the playbook completely. Let's just do enough, uh, run enough plays to get things going. Because he did have three rushing touchdowns. They were all obviously all close touchdowns within the red zone. But at the same time, uh, is that is is that what we're seeing, or or is this who he is? Like, is he a twelve for nineteen kind of guy? And this is what we're going to see from him all season. Uh, well, the good thing about his situation is he has a great running game. Um, they've been doing a great job of running the football, uh, which opens up the passing game um, tremendously. Yeah, he can run the football. Uh, definitely opens up the passing game. 
Um, and I think that's something, you know, early on in the season, you may not have all the things in the playbook just yet. Um, and you, there are some things that you're holding back, some wrinkles that you may add uh, once you get to certain games. Uh, but I think the basic things are enough uh, for you to be successful. Um, and they've been able to do that. You know, whenever you can have a, you know, a good running game, um, you know, like they've been having the past two weeks, you know, it's, it, it definitely helps the passing game. Yeah. Uh, and I think they, they want to be a running team first and then pass second. Um, and that's just the way some teams like to be constructed. Uh, but there's no right or wrong. You just want to be efficient and you want to be sound in what you're doing. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to know what you think about uh, – you mentioned their running game. I'm curious to know what you th- how you think their running game was this past weekend with the running back, Flemister. Uh, 13 carries, 127 yards. Um, he seems – he seems to be probably the most consistent aspect of their offense right now. Uh, he kind of carried them uh, in week one, and and he looks like he's carried them in week two as well. It appears that's where the strength of their offense is and will be going forward. Like, again, you, you might be right. There may not be all the wrinkles in yet. They may be holding some stuff back uh, because they know where this is going. But, man – that kid seems to be solid all the way across the board. What are your uh, reactions about Sebo Flemister? <laughs> what, what a name, by the way, Sebo Flemister. <laughs> yeah, I um, I mean, he's been definitely putting in some work uh, the last two weeks. It'll be interesting to see how he does against a solid defense. Yeah. Uh, and how they run the football, uh, because I'm sure, you know, like I said, some teams are – uh, when they're looking at their last two games, they're going to be scouting and they're going to work to try to take away the run and force Ian Book to, you know, beat them with the pass or the passing game to beat them. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, those are things early on. That's the reason why you want to be balanced um, in what you're doing uh, so that if you do have a strength, you know, the the, the weakness that, you know, quote unquote, the weakness is at least getting some work um, and, and working to try to improve. And so moving forward, you'll start to see more uh, eight and nine-man boxes. Yeah. You know, with safeties coming up and playing and run and those types of things. And uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how they how they manage the passing game, um, if they're going to use the play action um, as their passing game, which, you know, is effective. Um, I was sitting there watching my man Russell Wilson, you know, NC State, uh last night and he you know he used the pat the, the play action uh fake off the running game uh, a lot and you see that a lot in the NFL or teams that are you know balanced and so that's something they'll have to continue to improve because they're, they're gonna start to see eight and nine man boxes. Yeah. Shout out to uh everybody watching on uh Facebook and on YouTube. Uh you're listening to Believe in the ACC, Charlie Ward your man Lloyd Spence here hosting um, another great game. Now I don't know how Florida State fans are going to feel about this next group of, uh, of information that we're about to give out because we're going to talk about Georgia Tech and UCF. And coming off of that Florida State game, where uh, most people feel like Florida State should have won that game, uh, UCF left no doubt in anybody's mind who the better team was. And it was it was it was it was really a fascinating game because in the first quarter, seven to seven, it ends. You said, "Okay, we got ourselves a good game," and then UCF just went wild in the second quarter, uh, scoring twenty-one points. Uh, Georgia Tech was able to get a late touchdown in that quarter to make it a little bit closer, twenty-one fourteen. But then in the second half, kind of the same thing. Uh, that 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 uh, third quarter was pretty even, but in that fourth quarter, again UCF just went wild again. And uh, even though Georgia Tech came out and scored early in that fourth quarter to tighten it up to make twenty eight twenty one, man UCF rattled out three straight touchdowns to put them away. So uh, Gabriel just had uh, an incredible game. I mean, 
uh, Daniel Gable had an incredible game, 27 for 41, 417 yards, four touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but just an incredible game on his part. But uh, tell me your thoughts on uh, UCF and Georgia Tech. Yeah, I was definitely impressed with uh, Gabriel. Um, you know, he's throwing those – he's throwing some dimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, under the rest, some was under the rest. He threw some nice deep balls. Um, and he did a great job of uh, commanding the offense. Uh, they ran the ball well enough as well. Uh, but their tempo, you know, I think got to Georgia Tech uh, throughout the game. It wasn't just one one point of the game. It was throughout the game. They continued yeah. the tempo when they were getting first downs. Um, and, you know, I just know going back to our game, you know, we had opportunities. Uh, we missed some, uh, whether it was, you know, hurry throws, uh, guys, you know, being open and dropping the pass, uh, whatever it was from an offense standpoint. We had opportunities. Uh, we just weren't able to capitalize on it. But UCF, um, they did a great job of capitalizing yeah. on all their opportunities for the most part. And Georgia Tech really didn't have an answer for their offense. And then uh, Georgia Tech's offense had opportunities, but they turned the football over. Yeah. They didn't take advantage of it uh, when they had opportunity. You know, Jeff Sims going in for, you know, touchdown and fumbles. Yeah. That's early in the game. Um, and, you know, they had numerous chances in the red zone to be able to get some some things going. And they just couldn't, you know, couldn't find their way. And, you know, who's to say when you're predicting a game, you never think about the turnovers and how that could affect, you know, the, the outcome of a game. Um, and so I just think it's something that when we're predicting games, it's hard to predict if a team is going to turn the football over and how often and how they're going to respond to that. But that's something you can expect from a young group. Uh, yeah. I think it was their running back. Uh, Jameer uh, Gibbs, who had, I think, two touchdowns. One was on kickoff return, and uh, one was a, a run. Um, and he looks promising, but he's, you know, he's a true freshman. And then the quarterback, you know, he's a true freshman. And yeah. so those guys, I mean, you're going to have young mistakes um, when it's all said and done. And those mistakes can definitely hurt you against a team like UCF. I, I think they have a ton of potential. I mean, a ton of potential. I just think it's, it's like you said, it's it's early. And they're a young, young team. But Sims, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he looks the part. He looks the part. He, he just, he just, it, it's, 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 it's football, college football hours at this point. He hasn't, math, he hasn't mustered up enough college football hours to understand what he's seeing. But as the season goes along, uh, listen, I think Georgia Tech's a lot better than I thought they were. I, I really do. They, 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 they've shown me something. Uh, UCF is good, though. UCF is a solid, solid football team. Yeah. And Gabriel, man, Daniel Gabriel, he might he might be end up in that Heisman conversation if he keeps playing like that. Yeah, he, he, was, he was dynamic. Yeah, he, he's, he's definitely that dude. Shout out to Joss, uh, Monique, and uh, Chris, Tanisha Collins uh, for uh, tuning in. Thank you for listening and uh, watching us on Facebook and watching us on YouTube. We appreciate uh, all of our, our followers and listeners. Um, we, I, I'm curious to know your thoughts about some of the other games. I'm going to jump into a couple of other games here just to get a quick reaction from you. Uh, you said you mentioned Clemson and uh, the Citadel, <laughs> and that one that one got ugly real fast. Uh, it did not take long at all. Um, and I'm, uh, I apologize because my my uh, computer is 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 taking a minute to pull up the score. I was but, uh, what was it? It was forty nine zero. Forty nine. That's what I thought. I I I, I kind of remembered the score, but I wanted to just make sure. And I was quoting it correct, but yeah, 49 to 0. That one got ugly real fast. Um, just dominance in every way, which you it's no surprise to anybody. But um, Clemson looks like the real deal, obviously. Uh, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are for them going into week three 
Uh, their week, we'll talk more about this on Thursday about their week three opponent. But um, I'm curious to know what what you what you think with tougher. Con- it I, I, I struggle. I'm gonna I'm gonna give, uh, go this route with with my comments, Charlie. I go back and forth with these kind of games for these dominant teams like this because does it really tell you what you really want to know about the team or 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 is it more like okay yeah they dominated yeah okay that's great but what are we really learning from this team well i'm just going to tell you from experience um, yeah we had the we had these same games my senior year um, we dominated the first four teams we played, and the games were even close. Uh, but what it did tell us was we can execute at a high level because if the games are getting over really, really fast, that means you're executing at a high level. You're not playing down to the competition. Okay. So that is, you know, one of the things just from a mindset and culture standpoint, you're not going out there messing around. And that just shows the, the seriousness the focus that your team has. And yes, you can see them, you know, be on the sideline laughing at halftime and all that kind of carrying on. But when you're actually out there playing and you are supposed to dominate a team, that's what it should look like as we talked about earlier. And so, um, yes, we may not know much about them, but what we do know is they're very good. They're very good. They're executing at a high level. Um, and they will get tested where they get pushed around a little bit, um, you know, every, every now and then. But when it's all said and done, uh, you're going to be able to fall back on just the, the high level of execution that you're having in these blowout wins. And then you're getting numerous guys on your team some reps. Yeah. And, and by the way, I, I, I apologize. I said um, the, the, the college football weeks have kind of thrown me off because in my head, this is week uh three but it's actually uh we're going into week four <laughs> so i'm having to i gotta remember that we're, we, we there's we're, there's a weird way that we're all looking at it so i think clemson is actually off going into this weekend um and then and then they play next week i think uh against virginia so that that's my apology i got I'm, I'm i'm still like a lot of us still trying to work through some of all of this uh newness in the covid football year so <laughs> so but that's good uh another another interesting game this past weekend and a significant game pittsburgh uh uh kind of i would say dominated syracuse but they beat syracuse they did right. beat syracuse 21 to 10 which sets up a re- another great matchup between pittsburgh and louisville going into next week they uh louisville and pittsburgh and we'll talk about our predictions later but uh, it should be an interesting game between those two next week. Uh, Louisville in desperation mode to kind of turn things around, and Pittsburgh kind of riding the wave uh, of, of of what they were able to accomplish these past two weeks. Well, Pitt's defense has been uh, pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course, they they've played. Uh, I wouldn't say your top tier uh, offenses. Uh, but they've done what they're supposed to do as far as putting pressure on the quarterback, um, getting after, you know, tackling in space and those types of things that you need to be sound for, you know, quality teams, you know, moving forward. Uh, then offensively, still trying to figure out how the quarterback keeps running to the sideline. they got to get some, some kind of system in place for the man. Uh, but he's still putting up great numbers. Um, and so pick it. Yeah, I, I I like Pitt. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play against some some better uh, teams, but I do like the way they're playing uh, right now. Though, at least the first two weeks. Yeah, no, they. I mean, they look like they could be something. I mean, I, you know, again, you don't really know. You can't really count the first week, and and Syracuse is definitely in full on rebuilding mode. Uh, there's just there's. You know, I like he played two quarterbacks, you know, and, and a lot of times, huh? DeVito got hurt. Yeah, DeVito got hurt. Yeah. So it, it, it's just, and, and by the way, not to deviate too far away from college sports, 
But the comparison is that with DeVito getting hurt and there were other people that got hurt this weekend in college sports, and then a lot of people got hurt in the NFL. This has been a weird season already. What are your thoughts to, because you didn't have true OTAs and true off-season workouts, is that the reason, or is this just the normality of, of sports in general where just guys get hurt? But or, or is this a result of not truly having a real consistent offseason like we've normally had? Well, I don't know. Um, you know, a lot there were a lot of ACLs uh, you know, yeah. that we saw. Um, some were, you know, where guys who got pushed and they were, you know, still trying to go and ended up, you know, like Barkley. Right. We ended up, you know, landing awkwardly. And then there's yeah. some guys who were trying to cut and, you know, cleaned out in the turf. Um, there were some guys who got nicked, you know, just standing around the pile in a sense on a tackle. And, and the teammate, yeah. somebody comes in and, you know, uh, going to their, their knee. And so there are a lot of different ways that it's happening. And I think some of it is just, you know, football. Uh, you know, and it's just happened. It's just happening to quite, quite a few of the guys. Uh, so, you know, it's just unfortunate uh, that seasons are ending uh, because of that. Uh, and you know, you know, some people, if you talk to them, they're like, "Man, I would rather." You know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, I would rather have a concussion because at least I know at some point in time I may be able to come back. Um, you know, a little sooner. Um, than uh, ACL tear or Achilles. When you have that, you know, that's that's a year. And yeah. you're going for the year. Um, and I know now with CTE and all those different things, you know, but if you talk to people privately, they'll probably say that I would rather have that. At least I know I have a chance to potentially come back with, you know, the correct therapy and healing and those types of things. But no one wants to be injured regardless of what it may be. No, I agree 100. percent It's um, it's it's and I and I and I was on another sports show today, and they asked me a question, and I answered it similar to what you said. I can't say that this is because of COVID. I mean, guys, both in college and professional sports, they tend to take care of their bodies pretty well, and and so to say that it's strictly because of the irregularity of what is taking place with sports. I, I don't I can't say that that's really true. Uh, I think it's just sports at this point, and 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 we just have to see where all this is going. But but it's 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 there have been a lot of injuries, uh, a lot of significant injuries over the last uh, week or so. So we'll see where this is going. Okay, Charlie, it's time for my favorite game with you, man. You know what it is. Um, the the game called Who, and when we when we break down. Uh, the who's of the week, if you will. So, Charlie, I'm coming to you, man. Who shined the brightest for us this week? Well, I'm going to go with the entire Miami team. Um, I know they're playing Florida State this week, and that's not, you know, that doesn't sound. <laughs> not well, Florida State fans want to hear. For us, uh, in the sense that, you know, but it's a rival game. But Miami, the entire team, offense, defense, special teams, I thought they played a well of a game on the road. Uh, they played like they had a chip on their shoulder and they had something to prove. Yeah. And they did a great job of doing that. And so I would just say the whole team shine brightest. No, I, I, I will agree with you. Uh, I would have to say again, they that defense really, really surprised me. They are a lot faster than I thought they were. They are They are a lot more physical than I thought they were. They they look solid, and I think as as one of the things I think that defense does, they give De'Aaron King time to grow, and 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 he can make a few more mistakes. He's not making a lot of mistakes, but he can afford to kind of make more mistakes because that defense is going to put the ball back in his hands at some point in the game because they're just that good. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens next week. Uh, I don't envy your Seminoles. I will say that because <laughs> they they got a really 
they're going to have to really play a really solid game across the board to get that victory. I know that's not my official prediction, but I mean, they, 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 they got their work cut out for them. Oh, most definitely. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, this is robber game. So anything can happen. Anything can happen. That's exactly right. Uh, Charlie, who surprised you most this weekend? Well, I'm going to go with two teams again, um, or team NC State, because it was their first game. Um, and I thought they would, you know, not play like first, they would play like a first game, but they didn't. I know from an offensive standpoint, defensively, they gave up a lot of yards. And as we talked about, Wake Forest is very good in, in, in their own right, uh, offensively. Uh, but I would say NC State and uh, Bailey Hockman, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. He's a FSU transfer. I thought he played well. Um, you know, he's gotten a little bit better than he was last year um, as far as being accurate and making some of the throws. So he, I was impressed with him and just the entire, you know, NC State's uh, team, the way they played. And then the yeah. other team is just Boston College. Oh, yeah. New coach. Yeah, they're the surprise of the weekend. Actually. Yeah, they got a new yeah. coach, a lot of uh, you know newness around that program, but they they came out and played well. Um, of course, you know Duke is kind of struggling, but it was good, you know, for Boston College, and you know gave them some uh, encouraged them a little bit uh, moving forward. Got a new quarterback, I think he's a transfer from Notre Dame, um, and I think he played well. So um, that, those are the two teams that surprised me the most. Yeah, Phil uh, Jerkovic is his name. (laughs) Uh, One name I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more as the season goes on. They got their first win of the season beating Duke. Uh, I'll go back to to NC State. One of the things that was interesting to me about that game, like you said, that was their first game of the season, but the balance of their offensive tack was really surprising. They – they got contributions from everybody. I mean, uh, running back Pearson, uh, Knight, Houston, all had good runs, all balanced runs. Um, uh, the, the the receivers, you know, uh, Hockman was able to spread the ball around very well. I, I was impressed by that probably as much as anything. Um, I, I'm 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 in, I'm not saying they're going to be dominant or great. But like you said, not bad for a first game coming out of, you know, uh, against a decent opponent. Wake Forest is not a great opponent. It's a decent opponent. They're, I think they're better than their record indicates because they are 0-2. But, but, but this game, they played well. Like putting up 42 points, you're doing something right offensively. So um, I, you got to give Wake Forest credit for that. Maybe neither one of the defenses are just great. But at the same time, but you know, because you can't give up forty points and call yourself a great defense. But at the same time, offensively, both the teams played pretty, pretty efficiently, and so I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that uh, NC State was able to, to come out as well as they did. So yeah, that would be my surprise as well. Uh, Charlie, who needs a little work? Well, the team that beat my Seminoles, uh, Georgia Tech. Um, you know, I think they're they're young. They're going to make some mistakes. Yeah. Uh, but it was uh, just glaring that their defense. You know what we made it. We made them look good. You know the pass rush and all the different things uh, that we had issues with. Uh, but I think they need a little work. Uh, but it, they're not too far off. Like I said, they're they are a decent team. Uh, but they, they turned the football over. Then take advantage of offensive uh, opportunities, and then defensively they got worn down. Uh, gave them some some nice passes, uh, passes to Gabriel and the wide receivers. They made some good catches, and the tempo got to them as well. But I would say Georgia Tech needs a little work. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna go back to the Demon Deacons and and Wake Forest. I I don't think I think if they can, they got a lot to fix on defense. But the fact that they can move the ball, the fact that they can score, the fact that their quarterback uh, Hartman is is a pretty Sam Hartman is a pretty solid player. He's having a pretty solid season. I, listen, 
that's going to keep you in a lot of games, and you may sneak a couple of games. You may sneak around and beat some people playing at that level of offense. So, listen, Notre Dame, they better not sleep on them. I, I, I know Notre Dame's defense is, 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 is better. They probably, you know, but are they that much better than Clemson's defense? We'll find out this weekend. But I think Wake Forest will be able to move the ball against Notre Dame's defense. So it will be interesting to see what Wake Forest is will be able to do. And you say this, you said this uh, last week, Charlie, and I completely agree. They've got two weeks worth of film now to to correct all the mistakes and to look at what the little errors. And every week, you I think you get a little bit better as the season goes on. So when you can start to correct the little things which is what they'll be able to do. Don't be surprised. I, let me just say this. We, we, uh, on our show Thursday, I may shock you. How about that? <laughs> I All may right. shock you Thursday. All right. I may shock you Thursday. Okay. Who needs a lot of work, Charlie? Who needs a lot of work? Well, I'm going to go with the Duke Blue, Dev- Blue Devils. Um, you know, I, I was hoping that they would be able to come back uh, from the first first week loss uh, to at least, you know, play halfway decent. Uh, but they didn't do that uh, yeah. at all. And so for them to score, I think it was six points, um, you know, even though they were on the road, I was expecting them to at least play a little bit better uh, than they played. So I would say Duke needs a lot of work at this point. Yeah, it – I, I fully wanted to come on today and say Syracuse, but Duke put up six points in the first quarter and was never heard from again. So I just I, I hate that man. And, and 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 I know that they're trying to build something there. And I understand the challenges that they have, but listen, Wake Forest has some of the same challenges and they're and they're producing. So we can't keep using that excuse. I agree with you. Duke has got to try to figure out something. Uh, I don't know. There's a disconnect somewhere that they're not – whatever they're doing in practice is not coming onto the field. Again, it's still early, only two games into the season, so they got plenty of time to turn this around. But but rough start for the Blue Devils to start the season. Uh, we did not get a chance to talk about this um, on Thursday, so I, I, and I didn't – and I forgot to put this in the log – but I definitely want to deal with this before we get off the air uh, today. The official season has been uh, greenlit for college basketball. College basketball is going to start in November. I think the start date, I believe, was November 25th, I believe, was the start date. November 25th or 27th. Uh, huh? Is either November 25th or 27th. I think yeah, I think it's the twenty fifth is the official start date for the men and women's hoop. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And 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 I'm hearing a lot of different chatter about how it's going to start. I don't think all of the particulars are completely worked out yet. But what are your thoughts with the start of college basketball in November, uh, November twenty fifth? And it looks like the NCAA is all for trying to get as complete a season as they possibly can in. Well, I mean, by that time, we should have all the data <laughs> that we need to be able to navigate our way through. Um, and, of course, basketball is a little different than football. You don't have as many. So it will be interesting to see how coaches try to navigate their way through that because if you lose, uh, you know, one guy to a positive test, player or coach, then that can affect, you know, the entire team. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how coaches attack that if we're still at the point where we are today uh, because yeah. things change, uh, protocols may change by that time uh, because of the data that they may have. And so it'll be interesting to see, but it's great to be able to have a date. Yeah. You know, coaches can plan now and know what they're shooting for. Um, strength and condition. They've been doing strength and conditioning work, uh, but now you know they can have a formalized plan on when they may be able to get started. So that's that's great to hear. 
You know, I, I, I agree with you on that. I I love the fact that we have a date. I do love that. A lot of logistical challenges, man. A lot of logistical challenges. And the main thing is there are a lot more college basketball games than there are football. I think football's success right now, I think it's primarily because there's enough time between every game that you can take the necessary precautions to keep everybody safe. With basketball, there are so many games and so much travel and so much movement. I want to believe, I want to believe, Charlie, I really do. But I, I think that we got a lot of work to do between now and November 25th. Well, I mean, when you start thinking about it, you know, all the games that you play, you know, how many non-conference games do teams play? And so if push come to shove, uh, if you have non-conference games early on or whenever the season starts, uh, you can always cancel those games. Um, And so, you know, that's something that's always possible. And if you want to play conference games on a weekend, so if you have to cancel – you know, games during the week, then you're, you you can do that. Uh, but I'm sure they'll find a way to get enough games in before a tournament starts. Uh, and it may not may not be, you know, the, the, the normal allotted amount of games. Right. You normally right. play. Um, it could be where they play conference only uh, one time and then go, you know, go from there outside and play a few teams on the outside just to eliminate, you know, some of the back and forth travel, um, you know, deal. So I'm sure they'll come up with some ways from a logistical standpoint to be able to, you know, keep it to a minimum when it comes to traveling and exposure um, and and also just get games in before the tournament. Because I hear the tournament, they're, they're working to try to get a bubble-type situation or something. Right, I've heard that, yeah. Um, so, you know, if you can get – 15 to 20 games in before, uh, you know, that tournament, then, you know, you'll be, I think that's enough games to be able to, or more than 15, but like 20 uh, games or so, mm-hmm. you'll be able to, you know, get some get some work in um, and, and have enough uh, games under your belt to where when you go to play a, uh, a tournament, then you'll be prepared and ready. But I heard they, they were thinking about getting rid of the, uh, conference tournaments, mm. which would be, you know, another great thing because the conference tournament to me is good for experience and also to try to win the championship. Mm. But the teams, if they play in the regular season and you're playing everyone, then there shouldn't be, you know, there should be a conference champion, you know, from that, and then they should go right into the tournament. In, in my, in my eyes. Wow, breaking news from Charlie Ward. <laughs> He's ready to eliminate conference tournaments. I, you know, I, you. So you said something interesting. You said a lot of great things right there, or interesting things right there. I, the the non-conference games is where it gets weird and tricky to me. But if they can adopt a model that's similar to probably what college football is doing, where it's primarily just weekend stuff, but you get enough games in. And maybe it's back-to-back stuff. Maybe you have to do some back-to-back models in order to make it work. Uh, You play on a Saturday, you play on a Sunday, or something like that, or you play on a Saturday or a Friday, and then you play again on a Sunday, uh, give yourself a a day's rest or something like that. Then maybe it can kind of work. But I think it's going to have to be some major adjustment to make it work because you got to try to figure out a way to eliminate that travel factor. And then I can, I can make, I guess you can make a case for eliminating the, the, uh, the conference game. Although there's so many people that are going to argue, but that's the thing that make, that's one of the things that makes March madness, March madness, that last ditch attempt from some uh, team that's on the bubble or some team that had a, not so great record, and they somehow put it all together for a run in the conference tournament to make it 
to the uh, to the the big dance. So I don't know. I I think we're all going to have to accept that this is going to be not the same, and and that it's going to look very very different. And then and then we just make the adjustments from there. But um, I'm curious to know where this is going. So uh, different different year, no doubt about it. But should be should be a lot of fun if they can pull it off. Um, you are listening to Believe in the ACC. My guy, my brother, Charlie Ward is with us. Lloyd Spence, and uh, we are sponsored by uh, BetOnline.ag. Go listen to or go to BetOnline.ag and take advantage of all the wonderful things that they got going on over there. Uh, we're going to close once again with our weekly top five. Charlie, who is your top five this week? Um, the top three really hadn't changed. You know, you got Clemson, Notre Dame, and um, I think Miami now. Oh, you more? Whoa. Yeah. Flip-flop with North Carolina and Miami. Okay. Out of sight, out of mind. I got you. I got you. Uh, so I am in because they had an impressive win. Yeah. Uh, and then you can go with North Carolina. Yeah. Um, uh, with in the fourth spot. And then I'm going to stick with, uh, I like Pitt. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Until, until someone kind of knocks them off, uh, then I, I, I'll, I'll stick them in the top five. Yeah. I think, I, I think I'm going to go the same route. I think I'm going to go, uh, I'm actually going to go um, the uh, Clemson number one. I'm going to I'm going to flip flop a little bit. I'm going to flip flop a little bit. Same five, but I'm going to move some people around. I'm going to go North Carolina number two. There's something about that team that I really really like. Uh, even though they didn't play this past week, uh, I'm, I'm the first week kind of said to me, "Hmm, this is interesting." And then I'm going to put uh, Miami in that third spot, just like you did. And then I'll go Notre Dame number four, and then Pitt number five. All right, are you are so you writing this down for you? You writing this down? I, <laughs> I, I, well, we got to record it, so <laughs> so I can't go back on my video. I can't go back. Um, we uh, we uh, we got it locked down for history now. Um, Shout out to Chad Major. He said the takeover chain is I hope I can uh, lift them up enough to where they just get to a point where they think they're just world beaters and we come in and just shock the world. Listen, rivalry games, I, I have been saying this forever. The most difficult game to play in sports period is a rivalry game because you can throw the records out. You can throw uh, the talent out. It comes down to will. And some teams, they have the ability, and some coaches have the ability to will themselves to victory. And it doesn't matter what the record is. It doesn't matter who the, the names on the back of the other team's jerseys are. They just have that ability to do it. And listen, while Miami has looked great for two weeks in a row, this is one of the biggest rivalries all time in college sports. And we and you know firsthand the 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 the, the I don't want to say hatred, but there is no love lost between Miami and Florida State. So um and you know what while, while we got just a few more minutes left, Charlie, can you talk about that that just the the, the intensity of that rivalry from when you played to what it is now? Uh, well, I don't know if the intensity has changed. Um, I just think it's two quality teams. And the thing that, as you talked about, regardless of what the other team is doing that year, uh, the games are normally competitive uh, because of just the rivalry uh, factor. And, you know, you normally have NFL talent on yeah. the field. Um, and in in your four years that you were there, because I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, what was what was the what was this, the rivalry like for you guys? Uh, between you know, you mean game wise? Yeah, yeah, game wise. Yeah. Uh, well, my five years there, we were we were on the other side. We were two and three against them. Really. 
Yes. Uh, but my junior year, the year that we lost, we lost two years back to back on, you know, field goals. On the field goals. That's right. They could have tied it, tied it uh, one year and then next or could have tied it or won it both years. That's right. That's right. Uh, um, we could have tied it my junior year. And then my the year before that, we could have, I think, won the game on the field goal we missed. And they were both wide right. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. So, you know, but the games are competitive, like I said. And, you know, we were – they were always, regardless of what the score was, I mean, what the teams were coming in, uh, we were going to compete at a high level. But the games normally come down to the same things. <laughs> you know, who's going to make plays against tough competition? You know, quarterback-wise, who's going to have pressure? You know, are you going to be able to make throws? Um, you know, are you going to take advantage of the, the red zone uh, when you get yeah. in the red zone? Um, are you kicking field goals or are you scoring touchdowns? Uh, who's going to, you know, the turnovers? That plays yeah. a big part as well. So, you know, whenever you're in a competitive game, as we saw last night with the Lakers, you need guys to step up and make make plays. And hopefully, you know, from a Seminole standpoint, we can get those guys stepping up and making plays. And as we saw um, the last, this past weekend, Miami guys stepped up. You know, yeah. they were big on national television, and they showed up. And so that's what you're supposed to do. And hopefully the Seminoles can take advantage of this opportunity to be on national TV. Um, and, you know, they have a quality game. At least, you know, at least be competitive and, you know, find a way to win the game, guys step and make plays, which I think we have enough athletes to do, and they're well coached. And um, and so, you know, with a week off, hopefully we can get some of those uh, errors that we made in the first game corrected. Charlie, I'll say this, and, and again, our official predictions won't come until Thursday, but I'll say this. There is something about being able to find a rallying point that changes the the trajectory sometimes of a team, and and sometimes that that rivalry game is that comes at the right time in the season is that game to do it, and it changes the whole trajectory. Like the team could have started out and been going in a completely bad way, but man, this game comes at the right time in the right season, and all of a sudden everything just clicks. And it, it I listen. I'm excited to see this game because I know Florida State has talent, but it hasn't been able to put it all together. But, man, it only takes one right game. And I'm curious to see. I'm very curious. And and this is the ultimate trap game for Miami, the Mm -hmm. ultimate trap game because you're riding high. You just played a quality opponent. You, You were able to beat them at their place. And now you're feeling really good about yourself. And like you said, so good, in fact, that you say, well, we're good enough. And this team just, they couldn't even beat Georgia Tech. We should be fine. And that's when you get got. So it it should be great. It should be great. Cannot wait to get into Thursday and have some more conversation with you about this. Uh, Charlie, I always love what we do and what we have here, man. This show is phenomenal. I hope everybody enjoyed it here tonight. Shout out to all of our guests. And by the way, I haven't said this enough. If you're watching my Facebook, if you're watching my YouTube, feel free to join in into the conversation with your comments. We love your comments. We'll put them up uh, in the broadcast and add them to what we're doing. Uh, We'll read them on air. They'll go live on our show as well as the podcast, which will be available tomorrow at noon uh, on the Believe Podcast Network and everywhere that podcasts can be heard. Uh, so you can find us anywhere on podcast where there's podcast availability. Charlie, what are your final words for tonight, my brother? Uh, I would like to send a shout-out to my man, Dion Prime, Tom oh, Sanders. Yes. i the new head coach at Jackson State University. Uh, kudos to my brother. He went out, went back, and got his degree because that was the one thing that was holding him back from getting an opportunity to coach, uh, be a head coach in college. And I'm grateful that he's getting this opportunity, and I know he'll do a great job. And I'm not politicking for a position. On the sure, staff. sure. 
<laughs> Although I will say this uh, to you, Charlie. Um, man, you sure would look good at a Florida AM sideline. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say, Charlie. That's all I'm going to say. I like, I like my basketball. And I will support. I'm okay with that too, Charlie. I'm okay with either one. <laughs> either sideline is fine for me. Either sideline is fine. But you would look good in that, that Rattler green and orange, is what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Listen. Shout, yeah, shout out to Dion. That is amazing, man. And I and I hope, I really hope it becomes a trend. I really do. Because I think there's some viable opportunities in HBCUs that uh, a lot of us are not taking advantage of. And, that, and and the fact that he did it, that is amazing. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, personally, I am so excited for him. I'm so excited for that community that needs something like that. And my Jackson State gear is on the way. So I'm going to be rocking that on this show at some point. So there you go. Jackson State? Listen, I'm not in the love, but I'm going to support that brother because I want to see him successful. And I want to see that program successful because I think that's just phenomenal. I really do. That is that is, that is not great. So, yes, I think I'll get me a Jackson State. We'll rock. Hey, let me know when you got yours. I'll wear mine on the same show. We'll rep. We'll rep them like we're supposed to. There you go. I wonder yes. if it's gonna be. A, I wonder if it's gonna be Nike or Under. Oh, there it is. There's the real question right there, Charlie. There's the real question right there, baby. Yeah. All right. Listen, this we've had a lot of fun. We'll do it all again on uh, Thursday. So check us out. Uh, one of the things that's beautiful about our new software that we're using, you'll be able to see the schedule now when we record live, and then you also know that the podcast goes up the very next day. So if you don't catch us live, you'll be able to see it on the Noisemaker page on Facebook or on YouTube channel at Noise Media and Entertainment, or you'll be able to listen to the podcast wherever podcasts can be heard. A lot of ways to catch this show now. A lot of ways to catch this show. We're all over the place. So thank you, Charlie, man. I appreciate you. Love you, brother. Nothing you can do about that. So there it is. <laughs> All right, talk, Mr. Talking Noah. <laughs> you got to get used to that, right? You got to. Yeah. You wasn't aware that was my that was my show nickname. So there you go. Listen, man, I appreciate you, man. We'll do it all over again uh, uh, on uh, Wednesday night, and then it'll be up on Thursday. So shout out to all the noisemakers. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you later. You have been listening to Believe in the ACC with Charlie Ward and Lloyd Spence. You can tune in every Tuesday and Thursday on the Believe Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere podcasts can be heard. You can also watch Charlie and Lloyd on Facebook, on the Noisemakers page, and on YouTube on the Noise Media YouTube channel. Please like, subscribe, and follow on all our platforms. And we will keep taking you inside the ACC. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.